Hallå så välkommen till Lisa plus Vina Alexant, en podcast om naturlig vin och människan bak. Är till Lisa Anes. And welcome to the show. This is only part of my interview with Tom Lubbe of Matassa. We had a long and wonderful conversation about natural vineyard management and all sorts of geeky stuff that was really fun and interesting. Access to the full-length show, as well as my entire podcast archive and other bonus episodes, can be yours for just 35 Norwegian kroners per month. Go to shows.acast.com slash lisevinsant to learn more, or hit the link in the show notes. Thanks very much for your support. Here's the radio version, or the short version, if you want, of the show. Uh, I feel that we're doing this podcast in a lovely backward way, because I usually start by people introducing themselves, and then we have some wine, and then we get into this, the heavy stuff. But we've just turned it around. Straight into the heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've been eyeing that wine for a good half hour now. Shall we, shall we have yeah, some wine? I think and then you can end the podcast while introducing yourself. It's perfect. Okay. Um, well, my name's Tom, and I'm going to pour you a glass of Ouya Blanc. Fantastic. So macerated Muscat Pitigrain, Muscat d'Alexandri, Macabu, and Grenache Blanc. This one will be available at the Wine Monopoly when this podcast comes into the feed, actually, because it's being released on the 3rd of May. Well, cheers. Yeah, cheers. So I'm... Um, hmm. There we go, the health tonic. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, Domaine Matasseur. I've been obviously not properly French, but I've been living and working in France for the last 20 years. Where, wh- wh- what, what's the name? What does it mean? Matasseur. Actually, it was the first vineyard I bought in France. And in Catalan, it means like uh, sous-bois, uh, undergrowth, underwood, ah. sotto bosco in Italian, I think. And... Uh, I tried to Google Translate it every which way and I couldn't figure it out. Tanglewood. In Italian, it it can mean like a ball of wool, I think. So it's related to that. Yes, Um, because that's what I found, that it meant like a a, a ball of yarn or something. And I was like... Which I also quite like. But But you're not a weaver. No, no, unfortunately not. Um, (laughs) I'd be a lot more useful if I was. But... um, Not to me. It's... it's, um, a lieu in in the lower mountains above us, like with the Moine Montagne, um, in forest, and there was this little vineyard there that mm. I purchased about twenty odd years ago, and uh, I just liked the word because yeah. I thought I thought everyone can say that, uh, but people think it's African, Hokuna uh, Matassa or whatever. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's actually. That should be a name of a wine. It should be. Um, it will be at some point. Um, <laughs> my kids grew up watching Bloody Lion King. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's Catalan. Mm. But most Catalan people. But w- when you wake up in the morning, your hair's everywhere. Some places they still say you, you have the matasa. Ah. So it's um, nice. that tangled sort of wild aspect, which which it adds an extra resonance for You're me. You're leaving the brand a bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am the brand. Yeah. Mm. I haven't had your wines for a while because since having my child and then 
being out with the pregnancy and then the whole baby situation, I've just I've missed like a vintage or two vintages even because okay. I, I couldn't go to the tastings or I went to some, but you know, yeah, I was quite nauseous all the time, so I didn't really feel like drinking wine. You know, it's a tough one, yeah. Until the end, where I was like hyper sensitive to smell and tastes, and that was really fun. Yeah, I found um, I'm usually co- relatively sensitive, but my two bouts of COVID dulled my palate a bit. Did it? Oh. So I'm finding life a lot easier these days. Yeah. Um, but uh, I can still smell sulfur very well mm. and avoid it. Um, but but it, um, I definitely lost a few points on my on my tasting scale. <laughs> I'm hypersensitive to perfume in a bad way. Oh, Jesus. I'll walk yeah. on the street and I will just get... Ugh. And sometimes yeah, in the office where I'm working, I just I book these uh, rooms to work in. So sometimes people have been there before. And if they have been wearing anything, no, it's but just this, this is me. This is a nightmare. And um, uh, unfortunately, COVID didn't take away that. Uh, but but uh, I mean, people who wear perfume to tastings, or, or I mean, whether it's guys with some kind of aftershave or... It's I I cannot I cannot understand that. How also, fine dining restaurants fine din- have very oh, perfumed soaps. Yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, this is a a very very hard one to understand. I actually remember Miamo, which is our. Uh, it's not our Noma because Noma's way better. Sorry, guys, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> it, it just is. But when they were opening, they had uh, super fragrant soap. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, I think that's just. Sometimes hard to take care of all the details, but yeah, that's something I, f- I find a little bit a little bit tricky. Uh, I've been meaning to ask you since we're at the top of the pod and you're introducing yourself and shit. Um, you you're from South Africa, but you grew up in, in New, New Zealand? Zealand. Yeah. And what's how does that diplomat all happen? Parents or what? No, no, no. My parents in the seventies. They were. In fact, my my brother, my older brother, is born in Boston, near Boston. Oh. Um, I was very nearly born in the states in the late sixties. So I was born in sixty nine, and my my parents went back probably about four months before I was born. So I was born in South Africa. Oh. But if the pro life is a right, I'm American. Um, <laughs> I should actually apply for a passport. True. Um, but um, yeah, no, my dad was a cardiologist and he did his postgrad work in the States and then he went back to South Africa. Uh, my mom was working as a, as a designer by that stage, funding him through university. Hmm. And uh, for the first heart transplant, the successful one. Uh, he's a physician, was a physician, and uh, and then we move. He was also opposed to apartheid at the time, and always would have been. Uh, he died, but um, and my mom as well. They were, and we were invited to leave South Africa in the late seventies. Mm. It was suggested we'd be we'd be happier elsewhere, and um, so we moved to New Zealand, which in those days had a a very good heart transplant program. Um, and uh, yeah, so I spent my teenage from the age of 10 to university in New Zealand. Mm. And I wanted to go back to South Africa to <coughs> to visit and, and I went to buy wine for my old, well, I was looking for, 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 for wines and I thought I knew South African wine. 
having drunk a lot of old stuff from my dad's cellar from the 50s and 60s and 70s, early 70s. And I was pretty horrified by what I found. Um, the old wines were often around 11 and a half, 12, 12 and a half alcohol. There was no immediate flavor of oak. Mm. Uh, and in the late 90s, I'm talking around 97, <coughs> all the important wines were 14 and a half alcohol. Yeah, uh, which of usually, Yeah, and... and high residues of, of, of oak and, and obviously a lot of sulfur and what I came to realize was a lot of tartric acid. Mm. Um, and I couldn't drink them. And it made me so fucking upset, I decided to make wine. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it took me a year and a half to put this into action. Uh, I went away. I was working in, in China and... Uh, in China? Came back and... Uh, as you do? As you do, and uh, in construction, and uh, came back and decided to... to I, I found one woman who was working with native yeasts, uh, which was con very eccentric in the day. Mm. Uh, Laura... No, a woman called name? Louise Hoffmeyer. Louise, uh, From yes. a place called Velchemiant. I looked her up. Okay. She's wonderful. Unfortunately, they stopped working... Uh, about five years later, hmm. uh, the farm was sold through inheritance issues, but um, but sh that was fantastic. And and then I started working in bigger wineries because I needed a salary and stuff like that, and was very shocked by what was going on. And you know, I think in the one winery I worked in, there was a massive whiteboard in the. the sort of meeting room and that was called the additions board and your winemaking program for the day revolved around the additions board and it listed with a map of the cellar the tank and the head winemaker would write the additions that would get made each day to each tank and so you're just pouring sacks of stuff you wearing a Delia gas mask or dust mask <coughs> And uh, I think it was during that time I became very sensitive to sulfur, mm. uh, where it causes a, a kind of allergic, uh, asthmatic reaction in yeah. me. But the same thing is tartric acid will do the same thing. And yeah, a lot of white people who work in big wineries become hypersensitive to to these products. Sorry, and um, they they something I'd felt but really realized was just how bad a lot of this stuff was. Mm. So it's, you know, I, I've definitely had first-hand experience of working with industrial products. And even when I was at high school, I worked in a, in a food processing factory when I was about 15. And um, through, I was uh, rowing at school. <clears throat> and one of our rowing coaches was... was uh, head of human resources at this factory. It was a, a factory that was part owned by an American craft company or some shit like that. And one of my jobs was opening up big barrel plastic drums where they were storing um, the skins and pulp of oranges and lemons in hydrogen, um, in uh, sulfur dioxide. Mm. 
uh, and then they'd get recolored and sugared and flavored for jam. Mm. And uh, so you had to wear a big gas mask, and I was in this big fucking yard, concrete yard. It was thousands of these fucking barrels, and I had to open them, check the sulfur levels, and top them up. And um, it was so awful, and I never ate that kind of jam ever again. And then, but we were also making. I was working in the laboratory, and we were we were testing food, and I had to taste test and and run basic microbial uh, heat sampling on uh, petri dishes on on a lot of the products, and the, the the whole thing was just so fucking disgusting. They also made a lot of cheese, mm. um, and that that was a very formative experience. I mean, I'd obviously been exposed a lot to organic food in my family and even back to my grandfather. But certainly working in industrial food production at different stages in my life um, made me convinced that that was not the way to go. And, you know, I, I very quickly knew that my winemaking would revolve around grapes and not additives mm. but then it took me another 20 odd years and is taking me I'm still going because uh, you never stop learning how to farm I mean the basic recipes for winemaking are very simple fermentation I mean there's always a few surprises in there but with vintages but but farming itself is something that that should never stop developing in mm. terms of the way you see the land and the land is changing, hopefully, uh, in a good way, uh, with your work. But um, and 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 the climate and the climate, and we have to be extremely uh, sensitive to that change, mm. and, and working out how we we envisage the the, the steps going forward. And mm. um, in our case, that's a lot to do with water management. And now we're drinking Ouya Rouge. Which we is, are, which has a beautiful color. And again, I mean, this is, you know, if I'm talking about orange wines as the Ouya Blanc, as, as maceration, as, a, as a, uh, a way of making more uh, stable wines in, a, in a extreme conditions, the way I work with reds tends to involve blending white and red and pink grapes. Something This has got... Grenache Noir, Grenache Gris, Grenache Blanc, and Macabu. Um, so you've got three colors of grapes. And I, w I still want reds to be refreshing. I need them to be refreshing in my climate. And I think in every climate. Um, but, you know, if I'm only working with, with red varieties by themselves, the, 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 the tendency in our heat and dryness is going to be for very chunky, blocky wines. Yeah. Um, four square and I don't like four square uh, I like uh, wine to be fluid and to be refreshing even out of hot hot dry vintage like 2022 mm. and as I say that second year of what is becoming unfortunately a three year drought um, this year yeah how do you um, how do you go about making your wines in terms of the blend uh, when you choose your vessel because obviously you work with a lot you work with fiberglass and cement and old barrels and big barrels you, as well yeah. yeah do you decide 
based on the fruit or do you have an idea of the wine that you want to make and you try to go there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, for example, I mean, if we're <laughs> going to use the, the big wooden foudre, the 2,000, 2,500 litre barrels, mm. um, then I'm going to be using the fruit from Kals that we've been farming for 20 years. Mm. Uh, as I said, for around 4% soil organic matter. They, they, it's not them being heavier or richer, or but it, there's a, a, a density to them. Um, that means they're going to handle the oak very well. Uh, it's not so much about oak flavor, but it's it's the, the texture as well. Oak is going to open up a mm-hmm. wine. So those wines, I know from the slate or the mans and in, in Kals, they they're going to automatically have um, a more reductive tendency. They're going to consume oxygen. They what we call redox potential is more evolved. Mm. And so they, they will have a tendency to consume oxygen faster and enter into a reductive phase more easily. Uh, so having them in oak means that they've gently been opened up over the period of, of aging. Uh, ox- uh, concrete is, is more hermetic, uh, but still relatively open. Mm. Uh, fiberglass breathes beautifully. So if I prefer... If I'm putting a wine into tank for a month before bottling, I want it to go into fiberglass, not stainless steel. Unless maybe the wine is a little bit oxidative. Mm. So we make one wine in amphora clay, uh, the Elkania. Mm. But I'll, it's, it's a very small cuvee. It's it's 2,000 liter amphoras. I might, I've got one or two 2,000 liter stainless steel tanks and I could envisage popping the Elkania into stainless steel just to close it up a little bit uh, before bottling. But yeah. uh, what we're drinking now is that all your rouge is, is concrete and... I, That's right. I, yeah, well... God, I should have said it before. <laughs> yeah, it, thank you. Should have. Um, it would have been good. Um, I'll mix it in there. I'll cut and I'll say, <laughs> is that concrete? And you'll say yes. <laughs> well done. But yeah, I, I love concrete. But I can and feel it on the texture of the tongue, especially. That's the... I know, it's like... Licking concrete, as one does. As one does, and it's um, <laughs> it says concrete is very respectful of the the fruit, and mm. it, it's uh, a little bit, as I say, a little bit more reductive than than fiberglass. Mm. Um, I really like that expression, though. Yeah, it gives it a rustic and expressive, yeah. playful thing. That I really, I, I love concrete and a lot of wines. So a lot of our middle level in terms of altitude, not such steep slopes um, in some cases. But so we we bottling uh, the Brutal Rouge out of concrete. Uh, uh, Ouya Rouge, Marguerite is all concrete now. Mm. I just found the wood was really, you know, you've got to be a little careful with I think with macerations on uh, orange wines in in wood, mm. it can run a bit counter to the to the instincts of the wine. Um, I only do Alexandria in large food now, and in the Bruton Macabu I do in five hundred old five hundreds. Mm. Haven't but, tasted that actually. Yeah, there's not too much of that made. No, uh, I think. Is it good? A, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> 
It's it's fucking great. Um, no, it it's I think about <laughs> sell it. Ninety bottles comes to Norway. I think. Of, oh really? Of the the the, the brutal orange, mm-hmm. which is Macabu usually, except 2021, which was Grenache Blanc and Gris. Mm. Um, yeah, and the the container thing is something I'm always working through. Uh, the only thing I've banished from fermentation is stainless steel. Yeah. Uh, I would not ever touch stainless steel uh, uh, as a fermentation vessel in for my grapes because it's it it closes up the wines too much. Yeah. They become too reductive, uh, very metallic. I mean, people think of stainless steel as being very neutral, hmm. and it probably is when you're already screwing up your grapes with sulfur and enzymes and tartric acid and crap. But when you when you're working with the naked grape, it, it 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 stainless steel makes itself. It becomes an addition in, in terms of the way it affects the flavor and texture of the wine. It, mm. it it's something not neutral. Um, it, it's it's a terrible terrible winemaking tool, and um, I hate it. I mean, I obviously, but but then other people will say they love it. So I mean. You know, you, that everyone horses for courses, but uh, I wood, uh, concrete, fiberglass, clay. This is enough for me. Uh, I've done the occasional thing in glass in demi johns and mm. uh, little bits of wood. It's, it's nice, lovely. Mm. It's again a, a different register. Yeah, it but, makes it quite a clean, simple. Yeah, well, yeah even. If the vineyard is something a bit deeper, it'll hold that. Mm. Um, I'm just not fucking around with endless... I mean, we make wine. I mean, I'm not making like uh, a thousand bottles. You know, we're making over 50,000, 60,000 bottles in a year. And uh, you're not doing that in fucking demijong uh, glass bottles. Of course. You know, it's, it's, you, 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 and it's not that I want to consider myself uh, a big industry, which we're not. I mean, it's, we're still in the global scale. I think a small winery is meant to be up to 150,000 bottles or something. Really? Medium is 150 to, to 400,000, and 400,000 upwards is a big winery. Huh. Um, uh, most producers that I've ever had on the podcast, I think, are all. W- well below hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I think if you, there's a point and a, a very interesting point. A friend of mine, an old friend from South Africa, who's working in California, he's working for one of the huge companies there, hmm. and they buy wineries. Uh, I think they own. I can't even think, but they I know they make something like uh, not far off 100 million bottles across their entire range, but it's uh, over 100 wineries. But the point they start getting interested in a winery is when it goes 200, 250,000. And that's where they, they have a lot of value in infrastructure, uh, but it starts to get difficult to manage for a family structure or a small partnership. Um, and that's when, when people start getting happy at the thought of selling out. Um, and, I, 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 you know, it's crazy when he broke it down for me how, because he's actually the head winemaker of this entire group, 
And when he broke it down to me, the 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 how they they look at these successful wineries, and then they know where the cracks are, and that's when they come in and make an offer. Mm. Because there's a point where you just can't you can't manage it well um, as a as a family group, a small group. You need a bigger structure behind you. Yeah. And I think yeah, I mean, a hundred thousand bottles is very easy to manage. It's not a big winery. Mm. I mean, but you have to be organized. Mm. And I mean, especially in these days, we, we uh, so I guess our total bottlings, uh, actually not far off 80,000 bottles this year. Um, and with this, the, the idea of, of f- you, you, now you have to be organized six months ahead of bottling. So we were ordering bottles. It's been a huge problem in Europe. You used to have to have an, one month of lead time, mm. and now it's six months. Why is that? Uh, industry, again. Mm. Um, you know, part of the post-COVID um, uh, Ukraine uh, scenario is, is the profiting of com- of companies to create a kind of panic. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going through a, a massively manufactured crisis right now, obviously. Um, and, and the bottles were part of it, as an example. And, and they would just say there's there's not going to be any bottles because of Ukraine, because of COVID, because of something. A factory burnt down. That was capsules. Factory burnt down, blah, blah, blah. Um, so then everybody's just stocking up. Everyone's stocking up. Mm. And, and the big companies buy the most. So there's been massive speculation on bottles. Uh, I bought what we needed. Actually, I had three or four pallets left that I, I sold to a friend and... Um, but um, but we ordered them six months ahead, and we had to pay for them five months ahead. So you're normally paying for them. You order them a month before bottling. You 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 pay uh, six weeks, say, after bottling. You start sending the wine off two months after bottling. So you're getting some money back within a. It's relatively close especially given that we're going to be spreading our bottling over four or five months. So by the time we're selling the first wines, we're, we're receiving the last bottles. It's, it's a big expense, mm. bottles, corks, labels, all that shit. We're not far off two euros a bottle in packaging costs now. You know, it's doubled in 10 years. Wow. And so if you say 80,000 bottles, that's 160,000 euros. Mm. And it's quite a lot of cash to take out of a company. But so one of the big glass manufacturers, there's only one or two left, just published that they have uh, Violia, they, they, Varelia, they have 40% plus profit in the last year. Hmm. And that's through panic. Uh, and I, I mean, I was in the place where we order bottles and the woman was there, 60 years old, crying because she can't get bottles. And, you know, she's a small domain, family domain, surely. I, I, did, I don't know her, but, you know, the, I understood from what she was saying that that, that she cannot get bottles, uh, her kind of bottle, I mean, uh, a specific kind, uh, which is also important, I mean, for continuity. Um, they were saying maybe in three months, maybe in four months. And, you know, she was saying, but I've always bought them a few weeks before the bottling. And they said, mm. well, that doesn't work like that anymore. And there's nothing they can do as the middlemen. This is the way it works. 
and she's not prepared for this change. Mm. And it's changed very quickly. Mm. I mean, I always, I mean, it sounds a bit blah and boring, but I mean, I always ordered capsules the same way. I had to order capsules from Austria this year. And my French company, who've become the only producer in France now, and I've happened to have worked with that company since 20 years, uh, I ordered the capsules in May for bottling. The f I always like to have them by December. And they called me in se September and said, uh, maybe March or April next year. Hmm. And I was like, well, no. I mean, otherwise I'm going to wax them by hand or something. But... And then, no, no, it's, there's a factory burned down in northern France, so we're going to take on all those customers and we're putting them first and, and our old customers can get fucked. Oh, great. Which was awesome, Thank I thought. You. Yeah, it was a perfect little Christmas message. Mm. Yeah. So this is the way business works, apparently, um, mm. on that level. And unfortunately with wine, you, you have to cross to some point into you have to deal with companies who make bottles. Uh, or, or capsules or boxes and and um, certainly boxes were the least but I mean we got a 40% rise in price and you know it's the same, again the, the energy companies posting record profits coincidentally at the same time prices have nearly doubled yeah you know we, we went from 800 euros a month of electricity to 1400 and and yeah, then, then unfortunately well. we have to put that onto our, our bottle pricing at mm -hmm. least some of it well, it's um, the same uh, I work in journalism you know the printed press was already a little bit fucked and now with the paper costs we're definitely fucked screwed and also I'm writing a book so I'm just we're both in the business of um, we're not we haven't chosen very wisely like financially speaking <laughs> 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 yeah but um, uh, yeah I'm not I'm not about to do anything else. No, and, same. Uh, it's um, no, we we're gonna. I mean, as I say, we we have we have no choice about dealing with with certain elements of industry, and I, I'm not going to pretend that that our product is something uh, so elevated or so remote from 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 big business that we're not touched by it. We are, um, but it doesn't mean we have to like it. No, and, uh, but I, if s sustainable winemaking needs to be sustainable for the producer, if you can't survive until the next vintage and keep making your wine, then yeah, unfortunately, who is going to you know, this is something a, a banker explained to me many years ago. And my business, uh, we built by working with banks. I don't, I don't have any partners, and um, other than my wife. And we've um, worked on bank loans, and and the banker explained to me. He said, if you don't actually take a salary, it means that your business is not very healthy. And that was something early on. And I mean, I don't take a big salary, but I I do take one. You uh, have. To. And my business owes that to me, and mm. and I need it. I mean, pure and simple. And I think that's something that a lot of young people getting into wine don't quite realize, that they're also going to have to take a salary. And that's a very important part of, of, of having a functioning business is, is taking that salary out for you. And if you can't take it, then you have to say why. Yeah. You know, you, you have to ask yourself some reasonably tough questions if you want to succeed 
any agricultural product uh, project today. Um, but but first and foremost is is you know are, are you as a human being having a life? Mm. And that that goes for so many businesses. Yeah. And I think. Um, it's also about that if you're especially choosing to work like we are in different ways, I guess, where you are not working so commercially, you've got to love it because it's such it's hard, hard work. And if you are also not making any money, that's just going to make you bitter and it will make Absolutely. you just no, I mean, not want to do what you're doing. I, I mean, I see, like, for example, this podcast, I've been making this for over three years. It's made no money. Mm. I'm freelance. Yeah. Uh, all the time I'm taking to make this podcast as much as I love it. It's just uh, still not making me any money. I have a small child. I have a loan for a car. I have a loan for an apartment. Yeah. And which is why I've decided now to put part of my podcast behind a paywall. Yeah. And then uh, in this age of free content through social media... There has been quite a lot of support and also some backlash because people are like, "Oh, you want to make money from <laughs> from working? How could you?" God forbid. Yes. But, yeah, uh, again, sustainability. I I can't be doing this if I'm not able to make a living. Yeah, I I think yeah, as we we spoke earlier about uh, Aaron and um, you know, I think people have to pay for 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 good journalism, mm. and uh, paying for information shouldn't be. You know, yes, people are so used to getting free information, but the fact is that a lot of it's bullshit. I see where that's gotten us. Yeah, that that we're inundated. Brexit and Trump and <laughs> yeah, ignorance and 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 uh, fear and take the easy option and and let's not think anymore. Mm. Um, and and education is something that should never stop. Mm. Um, the moment we stop thinking that we need education, you know, part of our brain is dying and part of our soul as well. Um, I find this is one of the most inspiring things of having, having children. You know, I see my son gaining new skills almost every day, hmm. wanting to learn, wanting to explore. And then you think, oh, where did that stop for me? It doesn't have to. It shouldn't. It, it can't. I mean, we and this is why, I mean, if, if someone reads and I still love books, uh, which Thank betrays you. my age, but but um, <laughs> the, the the so you're thirty-ish, like me, right? I'm fifty-four, and I just turned fifty-four the other day. Don't say the podcast—they um, can't see you. Just, he's twenty-five. It's, it's um, thanks, and um, but I still need information. I need it. I crave it, and and uh, choosing books is something in the same way choosing uh, a CD or vinyl. Actively listening to a piece of music is 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 different from plugging into Spotify. Mm. Um, For sure, you know, plugging. And you 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 give it more attention too because you back in the day when you paid your hard and earned pocket money for a CD uh, oh. or a vinyl. You okay? Maybe you didn't like the first couple of tracks, but you give it a listen anyway, and you try to really get into it. If it's like uh, your favorite artist just releasing exactly. a new album, and whereas now it's like. Five seconds in, I don't like it. It's gone. Next. Yeah. And but flick, I do that flick, too. Flick, flick, flick. Of course. But I'm, I'm trying it's not human. to. But to slow down, to slow down your own reflex, to to reject and, you know, I, I you know, I've gone through years of very little reading when I've, I've just been focused on working and, and 
right now I'm realizing I need to 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 deepen my knowledge on in relation to the water issues mm. uh, I've been reading thinking talking to people um, and and actively searching for for new information uh, whether it's on the internet if I can buying books uh, even printing out some books that are out of copy from Australia uh, um you know the the information is out there um but but we have to also develop the critical faculties to deal with it mm. and um that that that's really essential i think um you know if if people think fine okay flicking through instagram or 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 whatever their their preferred medium for for finding stuff out about the world um you know if they're truly interested in in agriculture in in wine and in anything really but for what we're talking about then they have to take an active stance in that education mm. you know and that that you know education is something that usually requires some expenditure of of energy of money of of time uh this is just the way it is but we benefit from that and you know i think it's it's something that that people need to realize um that that you can't just have facility all the time mm. it can't just be easy and you know i i to to as you know to truly appreciate something like wine you need to know a lot um it's not just glugging shit down i mean it's a bonus that you get a little bit drunk sometimes but um to educate oneself is and i think now more than ever it's 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 urgent mm. because the global warming thing is is not just going to touch shitty areas like mine it's touching everywhere and you know i used to come sometimes to scandinavia and you know people would joke about that that they could grow grenache soon in in sweden or something and you know i would be polite but but you know i don't want to drink grenache from fucking sweden because the point where we're drinking good grenache from sweden a lot of the world is going to be completely fucked mm. probably sweden too for for different reasons um you know which which you know i don't want to be unfair to to swedish winemakers but but you know this is something alarming it's not something to celebrate and we we need to 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 be fixing the parts of the earth that are like ours where where forests have disappeared uh, the 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 f- wildfires are constant theme through summer mm. uh, what's what little forest is left is being burnt and reburnt and reburnt and i think there was something like over 90 wildfires last summer in our area Yeah, I remember the news. Uh, and through the south of France it was it was horrific. I mean, even across in Bordeaux, which is like traditionally so fucking wet, yeah. they 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 don't have forest fires. And then you have the cold snaps and the frost as well. So Yeah, it's it's, it's um, you know, I think they even had wildfires in England last year. Really? Like so, God. you know, I th- I th- I, th- I think we you know, hopefully there's going to be some kind of uh public opinion that's going to move into political opinion because it it's not going to go the other way 
there's no politician that is going to make good, informed decisions about climate change. It, that it can only come from people. And then the politicians will, will react. Mm. You know, this terrible thing where people were making fun of, of Greta Thunberg, um, you know, mostly elderly, uh, ridiculous men like Donald Trump. But My uncle. No. <laughs> everyone's uncle. Um, <laughs> everyone's uncle thinks she's ridiculous. And yet she's an absolute hero. I mean, uh, but she shouldn't have to be. But this is the way it is. And, and unfortunately, we, we have polit politicians everywhere in the world who don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, and they think they can't afford to give a fuck about the climate. And they're extremely wrong. But that is the way it is. And um, that's why people should drink natural wine. Som alltid, tusen takk til mine fantastiske gjester. Tusen takk til Marius Vabo som har laget logoen til podcasten og Hans Andreas Låke som har laget musikken. Har du lyst til å lære enda mer om naturvinn? Hvis du blir medlem og betaler 30 kroner i måneden så får du tilgang til alt bonusmateriale. Lær mer på shows.acast.com slash lisevinsand.